0: If you want to follow me in the scripture this morning, I'm going to be at Habakkuk chapter 2. I I had John place a stool here for me, but I just want to make something very clear about that. If I decide to use it, it is not because I'm anywhere close to Martin's age. (laughs) Let's just get that out of the way right quickly, okay? Uh, When I get a microphone... (laughs) Oh, my Lord... uh, Martin's always talking about, the, the reason he's here is because he's older and shorter and balder than me, and that's the qualification. <laughs> oh Lord, um, don't you appreciate God's sense of humor, oh wow, uh, what a delight, and thank you brother Martin and Janice for being an integral part of what we are, I tell you, Martin is very faithful to visit hospitals and nursing homes and help us, and Janice's partner, I thank you so much. I've, I've had thoughts the last few weeks, just uh, some time to think, and I will tell you that some things in life will uh, affect you and mark your life. I want to just talk common to us today, if I can, and try to, try to help us in our faith. I want to share this with you, that the genuine born-again Christian is having perhaps his worst, his, her worst day today in the last days. Our best days literally are in front of us. How many of you believe that for sure? That's why we call it a blessed hope. Back chapter 2, if you want to turn, We'll I'll meet you there in the scripture a little bit later. I want to say welcome to the sun. Uh, I meant to say last week... Uh, the Sims' son. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Is this one of your twins? Is it uh, good to have you? I don't know your first name and your brother's name, but I'm good to, glad to have you here. Didn't get a chance to meet him. Life contains some surprises, life sometimes deals some pretty hefty blows. It also deals some sunshine and some times of refreshing. So common to existence on this sin-cursed planet for us at this time, we will experience both joy and sorrow. I think we should probably not be surprised with either of them. But in light of that, I want to say, especially this morning in 2019, thank God for God. (laughs) Without Him, I think a good question is where and what would you and I be? And many were glad to be in the household of faith and a child of the living God. This little Arthur in the Old Testament, considered a minor prophet, but certainly not minor. When you read Hebrew in this man, his words were not minced. He came very forthright and spoke his mind and his heart, not only to his assignment to prophesy to Israel, but also in returning. A conversation, if you will, with God. I think God probably um, understands plain language. Uh, sometimes we, quote, so to speak, beat around the bush. Habakkuk was literally in his day, as I believe we are today, watching the death throes of his nation, Judah. Things were decaying in a rapid pace. Habakkuk, because of the assignment of the Lord, called that nation to repentance, and he did it repeatedly at sometimes his own expense. I don't mean financially, I mean sometimes his health and of certainly his reputation, or at least his ministry. He called Judah to repentance numerous times, but stubbornly Judah rejected him and his message and his call to repentance all those times. Habakkuk literally finally got to this point. God, how long can this intolerable condition continue? Just to be honest and fair, how many of you look at our society and the world today and everything we see and have about the same question Habakkuk has? God, how long can this condition continue? Habakkuk was what we would call a sold out believer. Habakkuk was an all-in, if you will, believer. Habakkuk was the kind of person who committed it all. He held back nothing about his life. God, here I am, and here's, I will do what you want me to do, regardless of what it costs me. And thank God for sold-out or all-in believers. But contrary to our logic sometime. Especially in a New Testament era, our concept and our logic about Christian fairness and Christian blessing, and certainly the last 35 years of the concept of the New Testament and the message of the um, about God's blessing, the prosperity, our logic did not match what Habakkuk experienced. Things did not get better for Habakkuk. In fact, for the nation of Judah and for Habakkuk, things continued to decline, even though he prayed and talked to God. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to declare to you something this morning. The genuine, obedient Christian life, in some respects, is a dangerous life. And it is becoming more so in our own nation than it ever has been in my lifetime. A genuine life of dedication. Yes, it is filled with God's blessings. Yes, it is filled with God's promises. It is filled with God's rewards. And our God is is faithful to give give us an abundant life. And we sit here today as wealthy people, both in the natural, especially in the spiritual, compared to most of the world, because God has given us abundant life. How many of you are glad for your home and your cars and your job and the life that you have in the Lord? We are. However, a life of dedication. I think we need to understand places you and I on the most wanted to defeat list of our enemy. We are met with opposition and we sometimes feel vulnerable. Actually, obedience to God and obedience to God's word will put a strain on our living. It will require some dedication, some responsibility. It will require... Some discipline. It is so much easier, and you can tell this, it's so much easier to quote-unquote go with the flow. I I have Satan tell me about it all the time. Brooks, why don't you just as a pastor just back off? Why don't you just leave people alone? Don't upset anybody. Go a lot easier on them and a lot easier on you. And I, I, I'm tempted in the natural to do that. But ladies and gentlemen, my calling is to upset us. <laughs> really, maybe not upset us, but it's sure, sure to draw our attention to where we are, what's going on, and make sure that we're in lockstep with the Savior and His plan and what He's doing in our lives. So we live in a strain. It's so much easier to go with the flow. But I want to declare to you it happens today, as it did in Habakkuk's day, 600 years before Christ. And so, like a fish that swims against the tide or upstream, to be an all-in Christian, ladies and gentlemen, let me declare to you it will require some sacrifice and discipline on our part. So Habakkuk had a conversation with God because he didn't like things the way they were going. And he would prophesy, and the people wouldn't do anything that he said. They stayed stubborn, and it frustrated the prophet. And so this wasn't what we would call a pretty picture. In chapter 1 of Habakkuk, Habakkuk became dissatisfied with the way God was doing things. So let's just ask ourselves a very, oh, I don't know, candid question. I'm not going to ask you to say amen or shake your head or raise your hand right now. The best thing to do is just be real still. But how many of you have ever been frustrated and dissatisfied and wondered why God's not doing things in a different way? I mean, Lord, look at your word. God, in, in the reason, and, and Lord, even in the in the discernment of how, and the promises of your word, and on and on and on. I could build that scene. Let me tell you something. It is amazing how the mind of humanity and the ilk that it travels sometimes. Many times, because we get uncomfortable, and can I say most of the time, we are extremely impatient. How many of you know that we pray and we want God to answer our prayer before we prayed it, but we want Him to answer it the way we wanted it before we prayed it. It's all right to get an idea. It's all right to have faith. I'm just talking about how human we are. In essence, Habakkuk said this, God, I have lived for you. Many in this nation live for you. So why are we suffering? Where's the abundant life, God? We have done what is right, and this is not our fault. (laughs) Young people... Mom and dad, listen, every word in the little prophecy of Habakkuk is to help you and me, catch this, cope with the results of other men's sins. This nation is in trouble because it has backslidden. And the majority of people are living in secretism, part God, but mostly pagan gods. We are seeing morals fall all over the nation of Judah. Judah is in trouble. But because of the other sins and the backsliding, just like today, you and I have to live in an environment because of the re- repercussions of disobedience and a rebellion against God. Don't kid yourself. The The sin that is going on in this nation affects the atmosphere of this country. And God responded to Habakkuk in chapter 1. And Habakkuk, God literally said to him, You are correct, Habakkuk, but I have something further to tell you. It's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. (laughs) Wow. He goes on to say the Chaldeans are coming. Presently, Habakkuk, they're over in Egypt. They are destroying Egypt. But soon when that's finished, they're going to come from the north in Judah. They're going to capture your young men. They're going to pillage your cities because of disobedience in this nation. Wouldn't, wouldn't your prayer, God, why, why don't you do something here? And, and Lord, we, this is not our fault. And, and Lord, why are we suffering? And God said, it's going to get worse. You're going to see this. Wouldn't that just make your day? Well, hallelujah, Lord. I'm just having a great time here. <laughs> I want to declare to you, and let's never forget, till our Lord returns. that, ladies and gentlemen, one of the things we have to keep in mind is this. God has a much, much, much larger perspective than we will ever know. And if we're going to trust Him with our lives, we're going to have to trust Him. So chapter 2, Habakkuk says, Lord, in response, I don't understand. Lord, I need some help. This is not adding up to me mentally. It's not adding up to me in my human mind. It's not adding up to me in my spiritual concept. So God responds, and here's where we go to Habakkuk 2, and I want you to look at verse 4. It's going to appear a little strange, but just watch it. Habakkuk 2 chapter 4 uh, I'm ch- chapter 2 verse 4 God answers Habakkuk and he says behold the proud his soul is not upright in him but the just shall live by his faith that is a major declaration ladies and gentlemen It is as if God in that one little verse totally contrasts the everything in the world and everything about an ungodly design and living and the absolute, total opposite, but the just shall live by His faith. Ladies and gentlemen, the Christian life is not a do-it-yourself life. The Christian life is dependence 100% upon the God of our creating and upon the God of our salvation and upon the God of our promised eternity. Every Sunday before I ever walk in this pulpit, no matter how much study, no matter how much time, no matter how much thinking, no matter how much prayer has gone before, Before I leave my office, I have a rocking chair in there, and before you ever see me walk in that door, I kneel and say, God, I am 100% dependent upon you to help me. The truth is, the more dedicated we are to doing God's bidding, the greater adversity that we will face, and frankly, greater the injustices we will face. And as a result, You and I as Christians, I think, will experience frustration. And we will wonder at times, and that's what I want to speak on this morning. All this is my introduction. I want to talk to you about where is God? (laughs) Where is God? And I want to add to it, and why doesn't He do something? How many can identify with it this morning? I want to take you back to verse 4 and he says the just shall live by his faith but i want to go back to the first part of that and i want to talk to you and i want you to see not only his day but i want you to see ours because this one verse is a is a contrast with great meaning he talks about behold the proud He's talking about one of the major issues that humanity deals with, and it is pride. It is pride because they worship this this person with his heart, his soul not upright in him, worships the Holy Trinity of me, myself, and I. I am the center of the universe. Life is all about me. And if that isn't prominent in the United States of America today and across much of our world, I need to leave the pulpit. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, our country has become an extremely selfish people. And it describes the believer in verse 5 in the next few verses. Actually, if you want to look, there are eight faces and 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 results of pride. And we could read them. Transgressed by wine. He does not stay at home. He is not moral. Because he enlarges his desire as hell. His motives are wrong. He is like death and he cannot be satisfied. They are driven by demonic forces because they're living for self. He heaps himself for himself, all peoples. Listen, the desire of the unbeliever is filled with pride. He has evil desires. They are living in selfish motive. They are are pushed forward by evil ways. They are those who use others for their own benefit. Dictators, controllers, manipulators, con artists, abusers. Oh my Lord, politicians. And God is saying, Habakkuk, it will get worse because of their incessant pride. They think that they can do without me. They think they can push me to si- aside and have no repercussions. And here's what's, here's what's mind-boggling to me, to be honest with you. There are thousands and thousands and millions of people following these pride-filled Hearts, and it makes those pride-filled hearts think that they are brilliant and successful. And they literally come with that unsung song in them that they are a little better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, faith is dependent upon God. Pride is independence from God. And in our day, We see things worsen. I will not add to anything, but I will tell you this. You'd have to be half blind not to see how morally we've become corrupt in our own nation. No moral restraint. We behave like barnyard animals. This transgender and mentality about we don't even know, and our scientists tell us now there's some 44 genders. We're mad. No ethics, very little decency, and I'm not down on it. I'm just describing like it is. It seems like we've lost all dignity. I think God, at least our our president and our first lady, represented us overseas this last week with some dignity and class. There's very little kindness, no diplomacy. People are short-fused. If you don't believe it, let one of them pull out in front of you right quick and see how you respond See how pastor responds. And this is incessant, constant manipulation. I I will put out a perception and a perception and a perception and there's not an ounce of truth in it. But if I keep saying it, eventually you believe it. And truth is trampled under their feet by their words and the righteous are ridiculed and despised. And we as Habakkuk ask the question, God, where are you? God, in the New Testament, you said you would never forsake us. Then where are you, God? I want to answer that question. Turn over just that same chapter, verse 20, and this is my message today. (laughs) Verse 20 says, But the Lord... Is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. I want to talk to you about the importance of that verse. Whereas God, first of all, God is in his temple. This is a little difficult for we who follow the Lord and we're Bible students. We're taught that God is omnipresent. That he is everywhere at all times. And let me declare to you that is an accurate depiction of God. And he is one of the three omnis about our Lord. But I want to declare to you, God is saying to Habakkuk, and I want to t- say it to America today and to the Christians. Whereas God, he is in his temple. God identifies himself, ladies and gentlemen, on any given times in a given place where His presence is manifested toward His people in extraordinary ways. There are some times when Satan sets up situations, when he sets up places where he gets God's people. The snare of the fowler is imminent. And I want to tell you, there's just some times where God says, step aside, I'm going to take my presence and I'm going to meet my child at that point. And though he is everywhere, God said to Habakkuk, there, is moment, there are moments when you need an answer on how do I handle this and where is God when I need him. And God said, if you allow me, the Lord is in his, his holiness. How many of you understood that? Ladies and gentlemen, let you and I not forget, the I Am is watching it all. He is in His holy temple. If you study the authorized version, and even the King James version, and on and on, the first time that the word temple, or tabernacle, which is used interchangeably, both in Hebrew and Greek, in the English form. First Samuel, it's in 1st Samuel 1. We're familiar, I trust, with the story about Hannah. She was barren, and she scripture says she went to the temple to beseech the Lord for a son. Let me remind you, this was the Old Testament church. It was called the tent church. And I don't want you to get a wrong picture of Escher or staff to put a picture of the Old Testament tabernacle so we could see some things. This was made out of the finest materials. God instructed Moses in a special way to build this. I trust that you know something about this history. God said to Moses, "I I want you to build three tribes on this side. Three tribes on this side, three tribes on this side, and three tribes on this side. Those were the twelve tribes of Israel, and whichever way they were to travel, that group, that three tribes would fight their way. And this was God's important design. The tabernacle, of course, was in the center. There's the outer court. If you will, there's the inner court, and then there's the holy place, and then of the back, I trust you know, the most holy place. God would place His cloud, it was called the Shekinah glory cloud, over the ark, which was in the most holy place in the back. Again, I trust your knowledge about it. And God would move with a cloud by day and a fire cloud by night when Israel would move. And that is so important to understand This picture, it brings forth out of David one of the greatest portions of the Scripture. And let me just tell you, I'm going to read it to you a little bit. See this part right here? That's the outer court, the inner court, and the most holy place. That in combination, by God's Word, was called the secret place. And so when you read Psalm and David talks about that, he goes on and says this, He who dwells, and by the way, God said, Moses, I want you to stay in this place because you're my priest and you're my prophet and I want you to be protected because you're the leader of these people. Can I go ahead and bring us to the New Testament? Ladies and gentlemen, because of Christ and because He is sacrificed and you and I are declared saints, we are also declared kings and priests unto God and it's just God saying I want to be the center of your life so listen to Psalm 91 when he says he who dwells in the secret place of the most high in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the almighty (laughs) and I will say of the Lord he is my refuge he is my fortress in him will I trust he shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler you go down to verse 7, a thousand may fall at your right and, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not, Moses, because I have it set up, it shall not come nigh you. New Testament saint, understand this, the just shall live by faith. God wants to be, always has required to be first place, not second or third it's not somewhere down the list of our priorities. If we don't know why it's difficult to live by faith, if God is not first in everything in your life, your faith will struggle, and it will struggle more, more in the coming days because I believe we're seeing the close of this church age. So I think it, if you'll look at the picture, I, I, I love this. I, I see the, the practicality and the forwardness of Habakkuk. He said, what time is it? Is it 10.15? Oh, my watch is goofed up. I thought I had more time. Thank you, I, can, I got an hour yet. I love this. Habakkuk said, hey, Judah, guess what? God told me where he is. And I going to come to you and say, guess what? I know where God is. He's in His temple. And in 2019, He's still in absolute control. And sometimes we need to hear a comfort that everything's all right on Father's planet because God is still in absolute control. And as as I hear, and as I see, as I, I get stressed, as I get frustrated, as I grow weary, and I wonder why, to be honest with you, in 2019, when I see all the politics and I see all the vile, I see, I see all the things that are happening at our particular society, I want to go, God, why don't you defend yourself? And God goes like this, Pastor, it's not your responsibility. I've got this. Don't you live by worry. Don't you live by stressed out emotions. Don't you live by human reason. You live by faith in my presence because I have a plan. And can I say it like this? When this sin-cursed environment smothers you, testify and live by faith. When this current sin-cursed planet brings situations that trouble you, testify. And live by faith. When this planet seems like it's in control, God says, "As the old black minister, I heard him when I was a kid, he said, God says, I sit high and I look low and I have a plan. God says, the just shall live by faith. And can I say, at special times, God will come in tabernacle. He's in his temple. And he will manifest himself to you and me. And He will sustain us, and God will be faithful to us because He is in His temple. Aren't you glad God shows up on special occasions? Secondly, I must hurry. God is also in the body of the twice-born child of God. Thank God for the New Testament church. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are indwelled by the Spirit of God, and we become the church. I've said many times before, the church is the only institution that God guaranteed would be successful. Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In the church, there's no perfect people. There's no perfect pastor. But ladies and gentlemen, we are His body. We are the tabernacle of God, and it is no longer in a building. His Spirit and in His people, and we form the church. I want to declare to you in this late day, like the writer of Hebrews said, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, especially as you see the day approaching. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with the church. It may be windswept, it may be scarred, it may be battered, but I want to tell you, this old ship is coming into harbor someday, and I plan on being on board. Here's something imperative. 1 Corinthians 3, I want to read to you verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? God, Saints, God has made us his holy temple. But I want to share something with you that we need to hear in a late day. Verse 17. If anyone defiles the temple of God, and it's not talking about someone from the outside. It's talking about that one. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. That is a stern warning for God that simply says this, keep my temple clean because I live there and I will not co-inhabit with all the things that try to replace me. I'm going to take time to do this even if we run over. And you may think this foolish. So be it. 2019, I'm going to take you back to my childhood. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little hands, what you do. Be careful, little feet, where you go. There's a father up above looking down in tender love, but be careful. Little eyes, ears, hands, feet, and heart. What you see, what you hear, what you do, where you go, and how you live. Do not defile the temple. Jesus, in the last day message that he preached, was do not be lukewarm. It coincides with 1 Corinthians 3 and 17. If you are lukewarm, I will spew you out of my mouth. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are called to live a holy life and keep it clean because God lives in this house. Amen. Thirdly, where is God? He is in a literal throne in heaven. <laughs> we ought to shout. Revelation 7 says the angels bow, the nations will bow. The four living creatures will bow to the ground. Then it says they will fall on their face. And that entire creation representing all God's creation that is holy in His temple, they cry forth with a loud voice, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, Amen. You ought to read some in Jeremiah and some of the Old Testament where God says man carves wood and he makes mud and he mixes cement and he makes his own gods. They have eyes, they have ears, they have mouths. Basically, ladies and gentlemen, the bottom line is God's the only real God and every other so-called God is man-made. And God says, go ahead, talk to them, but they can't hear. They have ears they can't hear. They have eyes they can't see. They have mouths they will not talk to you. But I'm the God of your creation, and I'll have a relationship with you. <laughs> and maybe you're glad you're in the family. Ladies and gentlemen, where is God? He's in His holy temple. It means He's omnipotent. He will occasionally reach down. When Satan comes in like a flood, he'll raise up a standard and he'll put his spirit. And let me tell you something, God will order our steps. There's times when God visits his people. How many have ever been visited by the Lord in a time of need? How many have ever just had the sweet spirit of God come and change the whole atmosphere in your life and about you? Ladies and gentlemen, we are rich people. You know, it's one thing to be a child and know about the Lord. It's another thing to have a child, and that child gets sick. I want to tell you something. As a parent, you learn really quickly when something happens to your baby and you can't do anything, it's a time to call on God. And I want to tell you, when God responds, that's one of the special moments in your life. As a father pitieth his children, so we, our Heavenly Father, does us. I'm traveling this terrestrial ball knowing that God is in his temple in the sense that he sees me, he knows where I am, and if necessary, he'll come to that place and manifest himself in a very obvious way. Can I tell you, it happened to me a few weeks ago. When I received bad news, there was a peace of the Lord that came and sat over me. I was not afraid. I did not have fear. Didn't want to go through it, but guess what? God's a faithful God, and his sweet presence was the atmosphere. Can I just tell you, my doctor slid over before I was going to have surgery, moved my knees over on that waiting. and He restored. and said, I know you're a man of faith. Give me your hand. He over and got my wife's hand. And he said, I'm going to pray. And he said, Lord, I, I want you to help this man, but I want you to help me. I want you to guide my hands and guide my thoughts. And if anything's in a question, you give me the right thoughts because I'm working on an oracle of the Lord. And the presence of Lord was just awesome. <laughs> Pastor, that's how God comes to his temple. Secondly, his holy temple is his spirit dwelling in us. Don't sell it short. It's rich. Thirdly, there's a throne where the sovereign over creation. Let me say it like this. Everything's all right in the Father's house. So here we go. That all tells us something. I think one other thing I'm going to say, and that's this, our response. It says in verse 20, watch this. It says, but the Lord is in his temple. The rest of that verse says, let all the earth keep silent before him. What in the world is the Lord saying? It's this. In the Old Testament temple, you didn't go in with a word. You went in in silence. And I think God is saying, I want you to stop the noise. Just let your world be still and occasionally be still and know that I'm God. Silence your concerns because I'm in the temple Secondly, in dwelling in the believer, God says, maintain a clean and a pure heart before me. Stay obedient. Pay the prices. Discipline yourselves. Thirdly, in heaven, ladies and gentlemen, is our eternal hope. And the last thing I'm going to say is this. I think God, in the context, I can see it. You can read it. You can find it if you'll study Habakkuk. He says this. In the context of his letter, God says, Stop complaining. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we have it better than anybody else on this earth. It is a privilege to live in the United States of America, the home of the brave and the land of the free, where we can worship in spirit and in truth and in freedom and liberty. Thus far. I thought about that. Stop complaining. I think God spoke to Habakkuk. And I will say this with discretion. I think sometimes we get far too much in love with the way we have things planned and with life even and with how we want it to go. We get so in love with our comforts and our desires that anything that comes, we're very prone to complain. And to be honest with with you, it's almost an indictment upon the Father I will tell you this for sure. Your complaining does absolutely no good to you or anybody else. Tell me by what complaining have you ever advantaged? Well, maybe somebody stroked you and made you feel all good and better and warm and fuzzy as they say. I don't know. I will tell you this. I don't want to arrive in the celestial city and be known. As a complainer. God's been good to me. God is good to me. God will sustain us. God will keep us. And we are not the fools. For believing in the eternal love of our God. Where is God? Right here when I need Him. In here all the time. And anticipating an eternity in His throne room. And that will not change. I love this book, don't you? Can we just stand today? Can we just love on our Lord a minute? Can we just say thank you, God, that your word is true? Let's just praise him a moment. Father, I bless you. I thank you, Lord, for you are righteous. I thank you, Lord, you've been faithful to me. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace. We're the most privileged people on this planet. Thank you, Lord, that someday you're going to take this body of believers out of this world. No longer will sin. No longer will disobedience and all the things that we experience in this environment. Lord, we're going to a thousand years of millennial reign where it will be a theocracy. Lord, I'm anticipating. Thank you, Father, for the promise. Encourage our hearts, Lord. Ordain our steps that we might be steadfast and immovable like Habakkuk, good and faithful servant. I pray it for the cause of our Christ. I call it done in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. I almost went too long. I love you. I thank you for your faithfulness to the house of the Lord. Go and be a stalwart for the Father because I believe at any moment the Lord could return. God bless you.